Apocalypse Rock. Chapter 38 Barbarian Streisand. Sweet baby Jesus, Bear exclaimed, peering over into the well stocked bar fridges. What's wrong? asked Doug, stoned and surprised at Bear's outburst. What the hell is a chocolate peanut butter porter? Bear's bloodshot eyes continued scanning across the dozens and dozens of cans and bottles. Whatever it is, it's called Sweet Baby Jesus, he continued, pointing to a black bottle. Oh yeah, they've really upped the game here with the specialty beers, said Doug. Hoppy ending, Bear laughed. Yeast is Christ. Circumcession ale. Man, some of these names are almost offensive. Polygamy Porter. Tramp Stamp Belgian India Pale Ale, Doug read out. Those are just stupid. Citra Ass Down is okay. I mean, cheesy, but at least it makes sense. You know, the hop. Hey guys, how you doing? Burly and bearded Chaz Harden, owner of the pub, stood across the bar. He was wearing an undersized black t-shirt with the Sternum Island Volunteer Fire Department emblem across its chest. Support our heroes, was written below, the text warped by Chaz's torso. Heard you had a whack on the head, Dougie. You okay? All good, Chaz, Doug gave the publican a small salute, his eyes bloodshot and almost slouching across the bar. A small bump. Nothing that a beer won't fix. You've got some seriously weird-ass beers in here now. Bear looked around. Have Gus and Brandy got beers already? Chaz nodded. Gus is on the smooth hopperator. Brandy's on the Hoptimus Prime. Doug looked at the crowd in the pub's main room, a central hall made of heavy wooden rafters, columns, and siding cut from fur. It was like a garden of flannel-checked shirts, with fleece jumpers and rain jackets piled on chairs. In the adjoining room, there was a band playing classic rock. The strains of Mustang Sally echoed out from the stage, punctuated by intermittent whooping from the audience. All along the walls were hung poster-sized enlargements of old photographs from Sternum Island history. A steamer moored off Leak Point, men clearing a field in the middle of a forest, a tiny schoolhouse with a gathering of children outside, their teacher posing behind them, a tiny wooden church surrounded by an orchard, a group of people sat at a table eating and drinking together, all wearing floral wreaths. Doug looked back around the pub, at everyone sitting around tables and chatting over the music. It almost looked like each and every person had their own individual type of craft beer. Damn, you really have a lot of different beers now, Chaz, Doug mumbled. Gotta stay competitive. Give the people the variety they demand, replied Chaz. You're the only pub on the island, replied Doug. You could have two beers on tap and you'd still be able to pack out the place. What can I say? I love my job, replied Chaz. You got a friend with some boats up in Vancouver, Bear winked. He knows a guy at a bonded warehouse, right? Doug nudged Bear. Right, Chaz sighed. I know what you're getting at, but you're wrong. I ain't my dad. The business manager from that golden years place? He's got connections with a specialist distributor in Seattle. We get a real good wholesale deal. Plus a damn good selection. All value passed on to the customer, like yourselves. Chaz opened his arms toward Doug and Bear, 
as if about to hug them from across the bar. The two blinked red-eyed at the bartender. Mustang Sally chugged along. Now, Chaz continued, what can I get you, gentlemen? How's about a recommendation? Bear asked. Chaz laughed. Where do I start? Give me some clues for what will make you happy. Something sophisticated, yet with a firm, subtle punch, said Bear. Doug laughed. Well, that's Yellow Snow and Kilt Lifter IPAs out of competition, then, said Chaz. I really like the America lager, but, well, maybe that's a bit too rootsy for y'all. Chaz tugged at the back of his t-shirt. There's the Audre Hotburn Belgian Ale, which is pretty classy. Chaz pointed to a shelf in the fridge. Maybe too classy for me, replied Doug, holding back his laughter. Got anything with similar attitude, but sophisticated, but out for a good time? More sassiness. Sassiness? Bear abruptly doubled over in laughter. Chaz sighed. I can see you guys got a head start tonight. He looked back at Doug. I can now only recommend the Barbarian Streisand IPA. Strong, confident, lots of jarred up moxie in there. Moxie! Bear shouted. His laughter had become uncontrollable. I'm going to take that as a yes for two bottles of Streisand, Chaz continued. He took out a couple dark bottles and opened them on the bar. Hey, Chaz, do you actually take this stuff? Doug held up his phone, showing his Sternum Coin app. Certainly do, Chaz replied. I'll be 15 bucks, or let's see. Chaz frowned, shook his head, then pulled an old calculator from under the bar. He punched at it with his thick index finger. That'll be 0 0.011532 sternum centimes, please. Well, that rolls off the tongue. Bear had almost recovered. I think there's still some ironing out to do with that. At least it sounds like a cheap price. Doug transferred the amount to Chaz's phone, which made a satisfying three-part ascending chime upon receiving the payment. Have many people been using this sternum coin? Doug asked Chaz. A lot, actually. Think it'll take off? If people keep getting free coin, sure, Chaz snorted. I only agreed to take it because it came as a package deal with a new beer distributor. Plus, Golden Years guaranteed all the transaction in good old dollar bills. You know, don't get me wrong, I think the idea is fun, but I got a bottom line, man. I can try out new beers, but not new money. Doug and Bear searched around the packed room for their friends. Through the crowd, they could see Gus and Brandy sitting in one of the booths. Gus was gesticulating his short and thick arms, and Brandy was nodding energetically. In between them on the table was a tall stack of bright pink missing posters for July. Several had already been soaked by some spilled beer, wrinkling and smearing their pink ink into the table. Doug and Bear made their way over through the crowd. At the base of a long stairwell, near the back, Doug saw a sign. Free Art Exhibition, Golden Years Retreat, Transcendental Abstraction, 1880 to now. Hey guys, good crowd tonight, eh? Gus held a sloshing neon yellow and green-labeled bottle of Hoppy Ending. Brandy gave Bear a smooch and took a sip from her bottle of Hoptimus Prime. Any news on July yet? Me and Gus ain't heard nada. We've posted the entire village, town hall, the craft shop, the dock, everywhere. We haven't heard anything. Doug shimmied into the booth and Bear followed. There's lots of rumors floating around, Brandy continued. Everything from her being in jail or going on the run 
There was even a sighting this morning in the cove. Old Ted said he thought he saw her coming off the island hopper this afternoon, but that she skulked off like she was trying to hide. Old Ted's as blind as a bat, interjected Bear. Every time he starts going on about the right to bear arms, I worry about the collateral damage he's going to cause. Sweetland disappearing didn't help with the conspiracy theories, said Brandy. But I guess if he was around, he'd be the one spreading the rumors. The group laughed, took swigs of their ales, then went quiet. Doug absent-mindedly flipped through some of the missing posters strewn across the table. Doug and I got into a cabin earlier, before it burned down. Doug shushed, putting his finger to his lips. And that ties back to what she said to me before the town hall. The four friends leaned in conspiratorially, huddling together in the booth. Baron Doug explained July's investigations into undiscovered burial sites on Sternum, especially her interest in potential sites on Mount Costo. They all agreed that her disappearance seemed linked to Golden Year's arrival. More and more it felt beyond some simple coincidence. She knew they were up to something. She told me. Doug kept his voice low. She was going to say something at the town hall. But then they did something to hush her up. But then they took her away, and Sweetland's in on it. Maybe. I don't want to add to the general anxiety here, Gus hesitantly adjusted his glasses. But after the roundabout answers I got yesterday from the hippies, I checked up on their relationship with the Novasol. A friend of mine in Seattle used to work at their HQ, doing logistics. He gave me some good background. Basically, they've started plowing millions into places like the one up Costo, but all over the world. They just started launching satellites into orbit this month. It's going to surround the planet. Gus took a massive gulp of his hoppy ending. They're also going to build a space station. Are they even allowed to do that? Said Doug, frowning. I thought it was only governments and the military that could do that. Dr. Evil, said Brandy. Really, Dr. Evil. I read somewhere that a Novasol are massive government and military contractors, Bear jumped in. If that's true, it basically means they are the government and military, and they have the cash, like national GDP kind of cash. They can do whatever they want. But there's a twist, Gus continued. Guess who's doing all the property acquisition and development for the ground bases? Golden years, replied Bear. Brandy and Doug in unison. Bullseye! Gus slammed his fist on the table, then down the last of his hoppy ending in one gulp. So Golden Years is the friendly face of global tech power, Bear hissed. And poor July stuck in the middle of it, said Brandy. We can't be sure of that, replied Gus. It's possible, but it's a bit of a stretch. I mean, who cares if some batty old woman starts shouting about them building on burial grounds? I'm sure they can buy their way out of that. The only thing we can be certain about is the link between the Novasol and Golden Years. And the crypto they're busy making up Costo, added Bear. And the hundreds of millions they'll be spending all over Sternum, Brandy added. And the thousands of people they'll employ to hollow out the mountain for their outer space operations. Doug was definitely slurring his words now. It feels oppressive. Gus sputtered a bit, his face going pink like the island's been taken over and nobody's noticed. They show up and make bullshit promises about high-salary jobs, and everyone just goes gaga. We gotta stay vigilant against this corporate hippie bullshit. Out of the corner of his eye, Doug could see all the locals drinking and chatting. 
Dr. Hubble standing with the mayor, Mike Dobson, deep in conversation over a bottle of You've Got It Mead. Next to them sat Charlene Pendergrass with her partner Stan Brackage, the island treasurer, flirting over a couple of stubbies of God knows what. Peg Harden sat at the bar with a gin and tonic, next to crotchety old Ted McMaster, who squinted into his bottle of Pab's Blue Ribbon. Occasionally Peg would exchange a few words with her son behind the bar, or throw asides at Ted, who would nod and suck on his dentures. It's like they're making some feudal New Age tech island, with sternum as a testing ground, said Bear, and we're the guinea pigs. I just hope we're not the canaries in the coal mine, Randy laughed. So long as we're not the lab rats. I hate rats, Bear lobbed one back. Sure, laugh it up, guys, but... Gus looked like an angry troll who wanted to get back into his lair. Doug stood up. His knees felt weak. I'd need to powder my nose. The band's about to come back on, and maybe I'd like some Friday night feels. Well, that's still allowed on our rocky fiefdom. Slowly, as if in slow motion, he began to tip over. Whoa, you okay, Dougie? Bear caught him before he fell. Gus, red-faced and dribbling a bit, seemed tipsy as well. How much you drink? Hardly nothing, said Doug, knocking over his empty bottle of barbarian Streisand. It's never been better. The Streisand rolled off the table and clunked onto the floor. Rock is written and read by me, Nate Bazinski. For more, go to apocalypserock.xyz. Please like and or leave a review wherever you find the story and share it with any friends who you think might like it. Thanks for listening.